Hey everyone, on today's, I guess you could call it special Friday episode, it's only special because I think I've only released an episode on one other Friday since this podcast has been around, we talk vaccinations primarily. Um, This is where Chase actually comes into use, so I figured why not use him for what his quote-unquote expertise is, right? He is a medical doctor, and so um, I think it's valuable to kind of get his input and what he's experienced and things like that because specifically we're addressing the statement from the church of jesus christ latter-day saints right the first presidency came out and said they urged their members to get vaccinated and we kind of break that down i talk about kind of my opinion on that obviously which is not uh, a weak opinion i guess because i ultimately just have a lot of questions still i didn't feel like it was a necessarily a commandment and we can get into a debate about that for a long time because everybody has their own viewpoints on that but we don't really talk about that part as much but i do talk about why i still don't see fit and necessary that it gets that i get vaccinated for this but anyway um i hope you enjoy this episode i don't think we get too esoteric or too uh bullheaded on some things but you know y'all can let me know later about that and um hope you all had a great week and it is friday today already so Let's have this great weekend we've all been looking forward to for a while, right? The weather has been awesome, so let's enjoy this amazing weather weekend and go take advantage of it. Um, Love y'all, and we'll see you next week. Mormons are my favorite. They're my favorite. Yeah, okay. They're absolutely my favorite. All Mormons are nutty Mormons. Mormons are the nicest cult of all time. Beautiful, and these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. Everybody's so nice in Utah. Just being a Mormon's nutty. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. My favorite religion is Mormons. They're the nicest people. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right, Chase. We got you in studio once again. Yeah, I had a nice little drive over here in the rain, the cool weather, had the windows down. Finally, stupid summer is coming to an end. Stupid summer. I, That's I, a hot take if I've ever heard one. It's a cold take, if anything, because I do not like the heat. That was the stupidest dad joke I've ever heard on this podcast. Well, if we're getting older, it's time to start embracing We're some not dad. dads, though. There's a reason why they're called dad jokes. We haven't earned that right. Okay, well, maybe I need to go and... <laughs> impregnate someone to be able to tell my dad jokes. All right, before this gets too crazy, um, let me interrupt you there. It's going to get hot again uh, next week. Um, I love summer. I do. I love outdoor activities. This summer was really hot, so I am kind of like over that aspect. Having it drop down to the 50s today and yesterday, and I think tomorrow, I think the high is like even 75 still, which is wonderful i love it it's a little bit of a preview to fall which i love fall i love the fall it is my favorite season now we're talking yeah um it is too bad that it's inevitably going to turn into a harsh winter or whatever which i don't know if that's for sure but probably will be but here's my issue with summer is you're stuck wearing the same type of clothing every day shorts and t-shirts which gets super old uh b is you, there's nothing you can do to escape it. If you're outside, you are stuck in enduring the heat. And I don't mind. Like I, I like getting in the hot tub. I like getting in the sauna. But I'm choosing to get into the heat in those situations. When it comes to the summer, you just have to take it. And there's nothing you can do about it. And there, what do you mean? Like, like your home can't cool down? I don't get it. Well, if you're inside, I guess. But if you're outside, there's nothing you can do about it. And the other thing about summer is... The only fun things to do in the summer are basically going places like the mountains where it's basically not summer. 
That's not true. Pickleball has been talked about many times on this podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, and you, you can, can do that in, in the fall. weather. You can. You know, no, I get it. It's great. But you could but you could do it more often because summer is longer. Yeah, right? and, and you're probably going to disagree with this take, but I am here in Utah, everyone's like the, the dream life is to be like the boat family. Everyone wants to get their freaking boat and go boating all the time. And I just I can I can imagine myself if I owned a boat. I would just every time I walked by it in the garage, I'd be like, "Damn it, we got to go use this damn boat we spent <laughs> we spent eighty thousand dollars on this thing, and now we got this weekend we got to go use it to justify that purchase." And you can't ever like go do something else because you're like, oh, "We should be taking the boat out more." Like that would just drive um, me crazy. So, so I actually, maybe to your surprise, do not totally disagree with you. With that said, I think the real move is to be to be part owner with a few people, and on that, I would be super down with that. Um, just not just pay a share and have it, you know, a third or a fourth of the time through summer, which is great because I wouldn't want to use my boat every week anyway. Cause I like, as to your point, like if I had it, I'd feel obligated. And if I felt obligated, I'd just get sick of it pretty quick. Um, one thing I don't understand though, is how many females love going boating and never once get in the water. And I've been around a ton of females like that. It's an excuse to get together and take Instagrams. Is that it? It's an easy, like, hey, we're in our bikinis. We look good. Let's take another Instagram. There might be something to that, actually. Like, it's more just to, like, show people what you're doing as opposed to actually enjoy what you're doing. Oh, and that's a problem with the modern world is everything is, like, there's always that level of, like, are we doing this just because of our social media image or are we doing this because we actually want to do it? Well, there's no doubt that, like, people would be less charitable if social media didn't exist and you know who oh. I'm specifically talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. Like, the, there's there's a person out there that regularly touts how charitable he is on social media and it's like, if social media didn't exist, I have a hard time believing that you would actually be this charitable, which I know is a very cynical way of looking at it, but it's also a realistic way of looking at it and it's also, more than anything, just sad. It's a sad commentary on what, like... I guess it's a good thing at the end of the day to be charitable. Sure, sure. But if you're doing it for that reason, then as it says in the New Testament, right, Sermon on the Mount, you have your reward. Like you're not you're not going to get any reward in heaven for well, that. What's the scripture? I think it's multiple times in the Bible and the Book of Mormon where it talks about like doing things in, like not not doing like charitable things in in the public eye. Like what what's the I can't remember the phrase they use, but it's it's funny that's in the scripture because I remember as a kid reading that and I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like pretty much any charitable thing, like what you, no one's going to see what I'm doing. But now that we have social media, that's a totally relevant scripture to like do your charity in private. Don't do it for like in front of other people. Don't do it for their praise. You're doing it because you want to help people. Yeah, so that's in Matthew 6, 2. Where the verse is, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, and they may have their glory. They may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So in other words, they're not calling it a bad thing, right? Christ isn't saying what you're doing is wrong uh, in terms of being charitable, right? And putting your alms forward, specifically what he says, right? Um, when, when thou thine doest thine alms, right? Because the verse before is, take heed that ye do that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So that's a real verse right there. Sorry, I got lost that. So it's not 6-2, it's 6-1 and 2. And the idea is that the act of charity itself isn't bad, but 
doing it for the wrong reasons just gives you the reward that you're looking for. So if, it, if you're looking for likes on social media, great. If you're looking for a reward in heaven, keep your damn mouth shut about it. Like well, that's ultimately what the scripture is saying, right? And I think it's a kind of along the same... Well, th- that scripture was definitely written for 2021, but along the same lines, like I think nowadays, on top of doing charity for the praise of other people... It's also like having the right opinions for the praise of other people. Kind of, kind of goes along those same lines too. Like, what can I say to make people think that guy's a great guy? You know, I think a lot of people approach their entire social media approach with that in mind. Like, how can I look like a great guy or a great person um, in this situation? No, I'm sure there is something to that as well, for sure. Yeah, so I think you've got a point there with kind of how people hold opinions now. There's like, like having the right opinion is also a currency. So I don't know. Um, that was a tangent, but what I really am bringing you on today for is to talk about the first presidency's announcement of the vaccine. And we basically have. You and I are kind of on opposite sides of the aisle here, which should be interesting. Now, we are very much on the same side when it comes to a certain thing that we'll get to in a little bit. But to start us off, I do want to read their actual message. And the message says, Dear brothers and sisters, we find ourselves fighting a war against the ravages of COVID-19 and its variants, an unrelenting pandemic. We want to to do all we can to limit the spread of these viruses. We know that protection from the disease they cause can only be achieved by immunizing a very high percentage of the population. To limit exposure to these viruses, we urge the use of face masks in public meetings wherever social distancing is not possible. To provide personal protection from such severe infections, we urge individuals to be vaccinated. Available vaccines have proven to be both safe and effective. We can win this war if everyone will follow the wise and thoughtful recommendations of medical experts and government leaders. Please know of our sincere love and great concern for all of God's children. So there's been... A lot of opinions circulating around that announcement. I'll start with my overall takeaway, which was that it's definitely not a commandment, which I know like the liberals now are taking note of that and saying like, like just having their heyday being like, oh yeah, now you say it's not a commandment when the prophet talks, but it's very convenient when they talk about other things. Like, I guess, I don't know, was abortion one thing that they argue maybe? I don't know. Um, like they urge us to not get abortions. I don't think they've ever said that. They've, I think they've actually talked about how abortion is a sin, but regardless, I don't know if that's the right comparison to make. But um, to me, urge does not sound like a commandment. I have a couple of questions when it comes to um, when they say that, like when they when they talk about masking up, that the stats aren't entirely there when you look at Florida and Hawaii right now because Hawaii has had like very aggressive mask mandates and it's spiking just the same as Florida that hasn't had mask mandates. So I don't see how you could just like definitively say that like masking up actually helps slow the spread. Um, Especially since masking up has varying definitions. I've heard that N95s are really the only effective mask in that regard anyway, and you can only use it for like a day. Uh, The cloth masks really don't do much. Net gaiters don't do anything, but you won't find a single organization that would stop you from wearing any of those basically these days. Um, And then it says they've been proven to be both safe and effective. I find that interesting because I don't know how you can actually say it's been proven when it's been out less than a year. 
Okay, well, we're, and you're okay. you're the resident medical expert we have here. So I'm sorry to the podcast audience. This is all I can. This is all I got for you. It's just Chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to do. So first of all, I want to start with a disclaimer. I I see a lot of people in my profession who use their profession and their title and their whatever their notor their their I guess their credibility as a physician or someone in the healthcare community. They, they kind of use that as some opportunity to get up on their pedestal and talk down to all their friends and their followers and you know basically be condescending towards them and tell them they need to do this and they're being selfish. And I just, I find it so cringe every time I see that. Now that said, I am pro getting the vaccine. And I, I think for most people, if someone were to come to me and ask, even though I wouldn't go volunteering this to everyone who follows me, I wouldn't go out of my way to say, hey, you guys all need to get vaccinated. If someone asks me my opinion, I'm gonna say, yeah, you should probably get vaccinated. And here's the reason, is a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm so concerned about the long-term effects of this vaccine that hasn't been thoroughly tested and all that. And my response to that is, nor do we know the long-term effects of getting COVID. And what we do know, if there's anything that we've learned in medicine in the last 20 or 30 years, it's that inflammation equals death. Everything in cardiovascular medicine and all other forms of medicine, basically what we know is that inflammation is not good for your body. And what we know from COVID is that, first of all, in the acute setting of COVID, it causes massive amounts of inflammation in your body. And even long after you've recovered from COVID, they've seen that the, your levels of inflammatory markers in your body are elevated and they put you at extreme risk for having uh, blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, stuff like that. So my, real quick, let me, let me interrupt you real quick. I've had COVID. Yeah. I've been very open about that. Am I still at risk for these things? Yes, they have seen like, for example, they've had people who have been recovered from COVID and people who weren't even symptomatic from COVID who then a short time later or even months later develop uh, complications from it. And so like, even though I feel fine, like going out doing very physical activity, like lifting really heavy weights or playing basketball or whatever else, or, or doing like a crazy hike, even though I feel fine, it's still possible. I mean, unless I had blood tests on you to show what your inflammatory markers. So I can't say for sure. Usually symptoms are a pretty good indicator that you're probably fine. But at the same time, I just think that the long-term effects of having an illness like COVID, in my opinion, are probably still higher risk compared to getting a vaccine. Interesting. I mean, you do bring up a good point that we don't know the long-term effects of COVID either. I, 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 I get that from a medical perspective, that makes sense at least. With that said, I still want you, I still want to be a little bit more direct with you in the sense of what I'm at risk for. So in other words, could somebody be asymptomatic through COVID, asymptomatic when they're being very physical for months after having COVID, like heavy physical activity, still be vulnerable to some random thing happening like a blood clot in their lung and just absolutely yeah, I, I can i can tell you from personal experience because i've seen the article where that ref like that ref that died i don't know if you remember seeing that there was a ref that died randomly on the basketball court or no no, no he didn't die he passed out though so maybe i'm being a little extreme yeah. but he did pass out because he had some weird thing going on with his lungs that they think was a result of covid you no know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff and i can say from my time working in hospitals while covid was a big time, like still in the middle of like peak COVID, I can say that people would come in and it was crazy. Like it got to a point where we were basically putting everyone who came in the hospital with COVID 
on blood thinners automatically because such a high percentage of them were having blood clots in their lungs, blood clots in their legs, that until we could rule those things out, we were basically just anticoagulating everybody. Interesting. And so now how much of that's going to be a problem down the road, like chronic type symptoms, it's probably, you're probably going to be fine. If you've had COVID, you recover from it. I'm not saying, oh, now you're going to get strokes 10 years from, I'm not saying that, but just as a general principle, less inflammation is always better. And COVID is is certainly going to cause higher amounts of inflammation than getting the vaccine is. So just on that basis alone. But this, so here's another thing though that I have when it comes to the vaccine though, because the vaccine is technically not FDA approved, right? They've gotten emergency it's, approval. To, it's FDA to it authorized. Off. Yes. Okay. But now, not, the, now the wording of that, you know, I don't know if that's just semantics yeah. or what, but um, neither do I, that's for sure. But it does seem to be out there that it's not, doesn't go through the same rigorous standards to get to that point that a vaccine normally would is oh, yeah. what I it mean, sounds like. We're, we're in a right. once in a hundred year. Right. Yeah, sure. I get, this, I get yeah. all that too. But I also, from what I understand, there's a few things at play here. There's been information out there that says, uh, the vaccines have not been like really rigorously tested when it comes to like, um, fertility and things like that. Like they weren't able to prove that it didn't harm fertility rates or something like that. And that's why, it's for that very reason, I have a sister who's pregnant and she asked me about the vaccine and I said, you know what, I don't feel comfortable advising you 100% one way or the other on on this particular thing Mm because I don't want to be responsible for having some weird reaction to it and maybe putting your pregnancy in danger. So I'm not willing to go there. Yeah. Anyone else, I'm pretty much going to say you should get it. But in that, in a case, in that that's case, that's not pregnant. Yeah, yeah, and, but yeah, yeah, but any, uh, yeah, and, or and trying so, to get pregnant. So yeah, I, I understand the concerns there, but there's also no evidence to suggest that it is going to cause a problem, right? Like, like there's no evidence that bananas are going to make not yet, it, and it, but it's still relatively new, right? And so, I mean, I guess we won't really know until we start seeing a bunch of two-headed children popping out next. <laughs> year, right? Well, here's and that's the other thing is like, okay, we don't know the long-term effects of a lot of things, like. It's very hard unless we're in like a, a laboratory setting and, and you have like variables you can control. It's really hard to know the long-term effects of anything. There's so many things in medicine that weren't around 20, 30 years ago. We still don't really know the long-term effects of them, like new blood pressure medications or, you know, supplements people take. Like there's all kinds of crap people put in their body that we don't really know long-term what that's doing to people. So like... I just don't really see how you can isolate the COVID vaccine and say, oh, well, we got to be so careful about this. But then like you just inhale all kinds of bullshit throughout the week that has all kinds of ingredients you probably never looked at. It's like you got to be consistent. If you're like some anal retentive freak that looks at the label of everything you read, then yeah, I'll give you a pass on the COVID vaccine. But most people aren't that way. But suddenly they decided like, okay. And here's my theory about the COVID vaccine and why everyone's hesitant about it. Because I think whenever there's something like this that's controversial, there's the story that people tell themselves and then there's the truth. And sometimes those vary a little bit. And I think what's really going on right now is the left and liberals and leftists or whatever you want to call them, they have a real tendency when they try to make something theirs, they make it really cringe. And I and right now with how divisive everything is, I think conservatives have taken note that liberals and, and their liberal friends, they've they've kind of claimed the vaccine is their thing. And as they've seen that happen and they, they see their liberal friends getting on Instagram, you know, taking selfies with the vaccine and, you know, kind of condescendingly talking to people, telling them they have to get vaccinated or they're selfish. 
when they see that, they, they think that's cringe. I don't want to be that. And so they develop a defense against that in their mind. They say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to this jackass. I'm not going to get vaccinated. And then they tell themselves, well, it's, and then they tell this story, oh, it's because it's not tested and stuff. But I think what it really is, they don't want to be associated with that kind of cringiness that you're seeing with people who are acting that way. You're, you, I'm actually willing to agree that there's definitely, there are scenarios where that's true. Um, and to, you had a great tweet the other day that addressed this that said, if you want to get both sides to shut up about it, just start calling it the Trump vaccine. Exactly. Which is basically true because he's the one that authorized like, what did he call it? Operation uh, Warp Speed, right? That was to get the vaccine as quick as it, as it came out. And he had made these promises and liberals were like, that's never going to happen. And then here's the thing, too, that kind of also speaks to your point a little bit. But this is also saying that everybody's like Kamala Harris, and that's just certainly not the case. But she had said if the vaccine, if Trump authorized the vaccine when it came out, she's on record saying that if like the vaccine came out when Trump like was in presidency and everything and like he had authorized it and said it was safe, she wouldn't take it. She said that, which speaks to your point that it's more about an anti-party thing than it is like to anything else because mm-hmm. clearly she got vaccinated and nothing has changed since Operation Warp Speed. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, how the turntables. Um, yeah, so you do have some points there, and I think that is probably happening in some people's subconscious, and there's not a lot of intellectual honesty going around when it goes to that. Mm-hmm. And I will even say, I don't really have to think about that a whole lot, kind of fortunately, because here's the way I see it. I'm 33, I'm really relatively very healthy, um, and I say relatively, but in all honesty, I'm pretty freaking healthy, like quite mm-hmm. frankly. Um... I can, I'm able to do some very like heavy physical activity, like with pretty much no problem. I had COVID earlier this year. Um, I don't see the necessity in getting a vaccine. I saw an article on, I believe it was the Daily Caller, Daily Mail, one of those, that said they're not even sure which antibodies are stronger. They don't know if vaccine antibodies are stronger than actually having the natural antibodies from having COVID-19. So right there tells me like there's not, I mean, I, my antibodies are probably pretty strong, at least still. And I don't like the idea at this time in my life in this age when I've still got a lot of things I want to experience of putting a vaccine in my body that feels very unnecessary. And first and foremost, and this is another thing that I saw out there too, where people are being super smug saying that like, oh, this is just our own, like, look at the, look at the staff Moses's staff or whatever in order to be healed from the snake bites right children of Israel and they're comparing the vaccine to that and I'm like and I sent you're going well I don't think those snake bites had a 99% survival rate so those in no world are those the same thing right so we already have something here and this goes for the Delta variant and this goes for any other variant that's going on right now I can survive it without a vaccine just fine so I still yeah. also, and, and to your point, I know you're saying that you're like, we still don't know the long-term effects of COVID versus the long-term effects of any vaccine, if should there be any. But I just, I, I don't like the idea of putting a foreign substance in my body that has been like not necessarily FDA approved. I don't see the point. And that's why ultimately I don't think it's important for me to get vaccine vaccinated. And more specifically, these mandates look like what's insane to me is that if you would have presented this idea of a vaccination mandate to um, to everyone in the country even 10 years ago 
there'd be 90% uproar of people saying that's ridiculous. Like there shouldn't be vaccine mandates in this country in order to do anything. But here we're living in a time where I think the majority of the people are actually for vaccine mandates because we have fulfilled essentially the prophecy, which I don't know if it's a real quote, but either way, it's a great quote, which is if you give up, if a country chooses to give up their freedom for security, deserves neither freedom nor security. And that's what we're seeing right now is that people are giving up their freedoms for security. And what the problem that I see with that is we don't even know how secure the security is. And quite frankly, you can never be so secure that you're going to be be able to protect yourself from anything that God can throw your way. Okay, well, I'm going to make a less scientific but very pragmatic argument for the vaccine, and it's this. We have set a, a pretty much an insurmountable precedent that we have to deal with COVID as a society before we can go back to normal. I don't think there's any way around that at this point. But what we can do, I, I why, think, why, I, I, why not though? Can I challenge you on that a little bit? Like, why why can't we just go back? Well, do you, to I mean, unless we're going to go fight a war, unless we're going to go buy like take up arms and say, "Screw you guys, we're not doing this anymore." It, so we, you're saying we just have to forfeit the fact that people are wanting to make this a thing, so we just have to acquiesce to that. I, I'm saying that it's it, the precedent has been set at a level, the bar has been set. I don't see any way around. What, what, here's what I think. I think if enough people get vaccinated. I don't know what that number is. Let's say it's 70, 80, 90%, whatever it is. I think if we hit that level, it becomes easier to make the argument to say, as a society, we've done our, we've paid our dues. We've done all we can. We've done what we can. Now let's all charge the battlefield, not literally in a war, but like charge the battlefield of COVID. And, and if it takes more of us than it does, but we're going to move on with regular life. Well, see, that's, that's, but that's the lurking question, right? That nobody really can answer right now. It's like, what is the end goal? Is it no deaths? Because we were told right at the beginning, like, let's slow the spread. Yeah. Okay, so we did our part. We had the shutdowns. We slowed the spread. I mean, maybe. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. Because we this thing is highly transmissible. So maybe there really was nothing we could do to actually slow the spread. Anyway, we tried. Mm-hmm. And then we were told, well, now, like, almost no deaths are acceptable or whatever, right? And Fauci was even saying, you know, I think we can return to normal once case rates go down below 50,000. And it did. It got below 50,000. And he still, and then at that point, he goes and he says, Well, you know, I don't know. I think we're going to want to see lower case rates even still. And you're like, Well, what is it for these people? Because they keep moving the goalposts, it seemed like. And so I'm sitting here thinking, You know what? And this is going to make me sound very callous. But at a certain point, in order to have a society, there's a assumed risk, right? You just have to know that in order to live in a society that there's going to be risky things that we have to do in order to thrive. Yeah, life is risky. Life is risky. And so when the flu came around the very first time, like the classic flu, I would bet you that for the first few years, it killed off a lot of people. It started with the vulnerables and then maybe it hit some of the not so vulnerables. And then there were a lot of people that were resilient against it. And then we had herd immunity because we didn't have the vaccines around then. So... Then it just became a normal part of life. And I kind of think the same thing's happening with COVID. That we're just going to see these first couple of years are rough. Like more and more vulnerable people are dying off because of COVID-19. So is that, I don't know, does that mean we have to shut down thinking that we can save everybody that's that we can? Or is it just like this is all part of having a society to some degree? Well, we know this. We know that getting the vaccine protects you on a on a on a on a statistically significant level from hospitalization and death 
it's not, with all these variants and stuff, there's some question about how much it protects you from getting it and spreading it and all that with the different variants. But it is pretty clear set data that getting hospitalized and dying from COVID is significantly reduced by getting the vaccine. So all I'm proposing is whether or not you think that COVID is dangerous enough that you have to go and live with all these restrictions and all this, whether or not you think that if, if the goal is to just get back to normal, I think it is worth everyone giving a pound of flesh, so to speak, by just getting the freaking vaccine and getting us one step closer to back to normal. I think it's, I think this once in a hundred years pandemic type of situation, I think we all just have to give a little bit to, to get back to normal because we've, unfortunately the precedent's been set and there's no way around that. And I, I think we just got to do what we can to get back to normal. I, and I, I do want to go on record saying I'm not anti-vax. I don't know yeah. what actually the criteria is to be anti-vax. In other words, I believe I'm not anti-vax because I don't look down on a, a, on anyone that chooses to get the vaccine. You got the vaccine. I think that's great. I do think there does there is obviously something miraculous at play here with the vaccine and how it has been able to save some people's lives. No question about that. And you're talking about how people are less vulnerable to go to the hospital if they're vaccinated. Those numbers are real. I believe all of that. And I would never discourage anybody from getting the vaccine. I just don't feel the need why I need to get it myself right now. I just don't. I don't have a poll for that. I, I, like when I, I mean, when I say poll, I don't feel anything pulling me to get the vaccine. And I, more than anything, I am 100% against vaccine mandates. And that's why I'm coming out with all this because I can't, I just, that to me is like so un-American, right? Mm-hmm. It just, it just, I don't know. That's what I get hung up on. But there was one post I wanted to share, actually. This was an interesting take on the church's announcement, I thought. I'm going to share it with you. It says, What has President Nelson been trying to teach us since the day he became prophet? He told us that the day would come that the only way you will survive will be to hear him, in quotes, right? Him being God. I believe that day has come. The prophet can no longer speak freely. He can't even say, take this to the Lord and get your own revelation. Have you noticed? The government is watching. He chooses his words very wisely. He mentioned war, not once, but twice. This is war. It may be a covert war, but the lines have been drawn. This is not the hill he wants to die on. So read the words carefully. Follow the recommendations of the wise medical experts, not the foolish medical experts, and the wise government leaders, not the corrupt ones, the wise ones. When in time of war, when communications are being surveillanced, that your prophet can no longer speak outright, now is that the time. You must hear him. And here's a quote from President Nelson back in October 2017. I promise that as you daily immerse yourself in the Book of Mormon, you can be immunized against the evils of the day. Pretty interesting take on that announcement, I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm like 100% on board with it, but I think it's fascinating. And there is maybe something to that, that President Nelson's real job right now is to just keep things peaceful because he knows that like the church has a target on its back. And what would the government do if the church is saying you know what, do the vaccine if you want, but we're, we can't 100% endorse it either way. Yeah, well, I think the church also recognizes that, like, there are a lot of kind of fringe conservative groups out there spreading some kind of wacko stuff about COVID and the vaccine. And I mean, Name some. I'm like, curious. I'm not, I'm not, I know what you're talking for example, about. But for I, example, I wanna... there, like, I, I've heard of a lot of stories of conservative, like, super evangelical or whatever people whose family members get COVID and they show and they're, they're not doing well in the hospital and they start thinking that the hospital's like intentionally killing them. And they think that all they need, like there's a medication called ivermectin, which is usually used to treat like 
worms and stuff like that or like parasites. And um, there's like a couple studies that have shown that like ivermectin, if taken prophylactically, can maybe improve your outcome if you get COVID after you've been taking it. And so these groups, I think just to try to be different or try to like oppose the establishment, they're saying all people need when they get COVID is ivermectin and they'll do just fine. So they go into these hospitals and demand that the doctors give this medication that's not studied in the setting of acute like symptomatic COVID. And then they go on these podcasts and tell tell people that hospitals are intentionally killing people. Like there's some crazy crap. Got oh, I don't doubt that. About this. Yeah, like, no, I'm not doubting that for a second. And so like stuff like that's going around. And I think a lot of church members have kind of succumbed to that type of thinking. Um, and I, the, I think the church is saying, hey, guys, like let's take a step back from this. Like the like while there are some political narratives around COVID that certainly are like left leaning and stuff, the vaccine is not like an evil thing. I don't think it's like some attempt. I think you're right about that. I mean, like, I don't even think like the whole microchip thing. Like, no, I don't believe it's microchipped. Like, I think that's kind of a hilarious thing to joke about. And I don't actually believe babies will be turned into mutants next year. That'll be like born under anybody that got the vaccination. Um, It's just kind of funny to joke about. And I do really think it's more of a modern miracle than anything. That is absolutely the way I lean. Uh, The, the, and, and this is if there's anything that I want anybody to take away from this podcast when it comes to my opinion is that I'm not against the vaccine. I don't feel a need to get it because of my life circumstances. And I especially hate vaccine mandates. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, I, and that's why I have not like I'm, I've not even though a lot of my peers in medicine get on their Facebooks and sit there and like talk down to all their I, I haven't done that. And I just, I don't, I don't agree with forcing people to do things. I think what you do is you give them the information, you step back and you don't sit there and it, it was, it's never effect, like think back to when you were a kid, it was never effective when your parents berated you or talked down to you. It's like, I remember that, I remember being in that position as a kid and that never helped me to like see things the way they wanted me to see them. The best thing my parents would do is say, Hey, you should do it this way. And then usually I would like give my like initial rebuttal. Then I'd go think about it. I'd be like, Oh, they're probably right. And then on my own terms and in my own time, I go do what they initially asked. And I think that's the best way to approach the vaccine. If you're pro vaccine, don't sit there and dunk on people and tell them they're stupid or that they're conspiracy theorists. Don't do it. Just, just say, Hey, this is the science study it for yourself and then back off and let people make their own freaking decisions. Well, cause that's the country we live in yeah. and that's where it's like, I, that's what I love. Like let the people govern themselves. Right. That's yeah. what I've always loved. I think that's a very, I think that's a very like Zionistic way of looking at things where it's like, give the people the information and let them govern themselves. That's what agency is all about. That's the, that's the life I signed up to live personally. But anyway, do you, you get in texts? You need to go. Um, I'm probably getting pretty close to heading out here, yeah. Okay. Let's wrap it up um, and totally change the subject. One thing, I, more than anything, I don't really want to get into this. I kind of just want to give a preview, but uh, Colin Coward completely bashed Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I, here's the thing. I actually didn't think the very first time I saw it, I didn't think Colin Coward was being too hard on Zach Wilson. The guy he brought on was, and he's just talking about like how – they should have taken Justin Fields, and it was weird that the Jets were all in on Zach Wilson, whatever, this, that, the other. And then Colin Coward kind of goes after him again. And they, one thing that I noticed is that they talked about his size, and I'm like, Zach Wilson's not small. So I automatically kind of ruled out what they were saying as anything of, like, actual um, – that it had any weight to it because I've – like, we've seen Zach Wilson. He's like a legit 6'3". Like, he is – he's a big dude, like, and he's and he's strong. And so for them to actually knock on knock his size, 
I was like, these guys are misinformed. And then he goes off and has actually a pretty solid preseason game last Saturday, and we're going to see another one coming up tomorrow at this point. Yeah, I think it's more he's got like a baby face, and he's maybe got a slightly smaller frame, but he's, you know, what matters more as a quarterback is like height. very slightly. Yeah. I wouldn't even say his frame is smaller than Tom Brady's. In fact, his frame might be bigger. Yeah, it's probably just the Tom baby Brady's. face that kind of could be just in your mind. You think, oh, he's smaller yeah. because he looks like yeah, he, he probably can. doesn't have as big of a frame as like Aaron Rodgers, yeah. but he has a bigger frame than Peyton Manning. That's for sure. Yeah. So I don't even care about the frame. I know you're not making that as an argument, but like he's not a small guy, and so I don't understand that. And for how big he is, he's extremely fast. Actually, that's another thing he doesn't get credit for. He's pretty shifty in fact, too. I'm gonna go on record and say, find me. Uh, of another white quarterback that's as big as he is that's about as fast as he is i'm not saying they don't exist i'm sure they do but i don't think they're very common is my overall point obviously there's Taysom, but he's not at the caliber of zach wilson in terms of mechanics like zach wilson's already better than Taysom. Mm-hmm. but you know what i'm saying like yeah like it, he's very quick for his size like yeah. johnny manziel was crazy fast but he's like tiny yeah i don't i don't think wilson's top speed is that high but i think he he's he's efficient with the way he moves and he's shifty i think it might be faster than you think though i'm not sure what his 40 time is but i wouldn't be surprised if it was like four eight probably in that which for a quarterback is fantastic especially of his size yeah he's plenty i mean which blows peyton manning and tom brady out of the water which i know those are ridiculous comparisons to even make because nobody talks about their mobility in terms of them being great quarterbacks what, what made zach good too is he's got eyes in the back of his head and he has very good pocket presence he knows he can feel pressure he's gotten a lot well. better at that i don't yeah. think he had the best going well his Last, pocket presence was yeah. actually okay his whole career i would say i just think the biggest thing is that he's learned to trust his receivers more that was the biggest improvement i saw and i've talked about that before mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I, I still don't love Zach Wilson. I'm not like, I'm not going to like, like, if, for example, if Taysom becomes a regular starter in the league, I would legitimately like make plans to go to a, a Taysom game. I don't, Same. Th- I don't think I'd go out of my way to go well, travel and watch Zach before, Wilson like, play. Taysom comes across as a BYU guy. Yeah. Zach Wilson doesn't. And I know it seems very arbitrary because it is. Yeah. But like, because Taysom originally went on like to go play at Stanford, Jim Harbaugh leaves, so then he's like, I guess I'll go to BYU. Whereas Zach Wilson actually committed to Boise State and then decommitted and then committed to BYU. And you almost make that, like, how is he not more of a BYU guy? But uh, there's something about it, man. Like, Taysom just seems more like a BYU guy to me than Zach Wilson. I don't know how to explain yeah, it. Yeah. Wilson still kind of strikes me as a little bit of a punk. Like, I, I don't, I've, I think if I knew Wilson personally, I probably wouldn't like him. Yeah, much. I probably wouldn't either. That but might be it. But, you know, I still want him to represent BYU well. And I don't want BYU to become bust university. And so, mm-hmm. it, naturally, I want him to succeed. Um, And then, we'll touch on this another time. And, in fact, I, th- I want to bring my brother on to talk about this because he has very strong opinions. He's going to die on the Jimmer Hill for sure. So, we need somebody like that. I think Tim Tebow and Jimmer are extremely similar. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting take. Like, I think the, those guys, like, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some Florida Gators out there that think Tim Tebow has crossed the line of being, like, highly revered to kind of sort of pathetic and in, yeah. in career well, scope it was kind of funny to watch and i'm, I'm not like anti-tebow or anything but it was kind of funny because everyone's kind of when, when, when Taysom broke on the scene and became like this like 
util- utility player playing all these different positions. People are like, oh, that's what Tim Tebow could have been. And it's like, no, Taysom is another breed of athlete than Tim Tebow. Like Taysom's speed and strength and that combination, that is not something that any just team Tim Tebow can do. And then Tim Tebow obviously comes and tries to do it and fails miserably at it. And it just, it, it's kind of a nice, like, I told you so to all like the, the guys that thought Taysom was just another guy. And yeah. it's like, no, Taysom's like a freak. He's he's a one in a, once he in a generation a type of guy. Yeah, athletically, those yeah. two really don't compare that no. well. I mean, Tim Tebow's very athletic, but... Taysom's diverse. Mm-hmm. Like he's his athleticism is diverse, and it's a Tim Tebow. I don't think really was. Yeah, no, T- Taysom's a complete anomaly. Yeah. Tim Tebow's like you, you can find other guys that can kind of fit. He's that definitely skill a wide set. anomaly. Yeah. I mean, like there's definitely I, there's some black athletes out there that I think could make some strong comparisons with Taysom. I really do. But quarterbacks. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe like you could. Well, say he's that, he's not a great quarterback, right? That's why it's not a shoe in for this Saints job. That's why he's not beating out the guy that has the record for most interceptions thrown in a season on the Yeah, box. but mind you, Jameis Winston was still a number one pick. That's still a pretty big deal. Okay, but like, I, 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 he's clearly not like, at this point, he has not proven himself to be this amazing quarterback. But I do think there are a lot of black athletes out there in the NFL who could be used exactly the same way Taysom has been used. I mean, you wonder if, like, Michael Vick could have probably done something similar. Right. Maybe not quite, like, blocking and stuff. But right. He Michael Vick, could have, he could Michael Vick wasn't as strong as Taysom. He but could have like, played receiver. There are, like I guarantee yeah. it wouldn't even take us that long to come yeah. up with athletes in the NFL that even at some point were probably could have been solid quarterbacks to some degree, too, or even were. I'm trying to, like, off the top of my head, I can't really think. Like, I don't know, like. No, this is gonna. I don't Vic's wanna... the one that comes to mind for me. If I were, yeah, to think, he was a freak. Yeah, yeah, but I, no, no one else immediately comes to mind of like could do what Taysom does. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's actually really fast. I don't know if he's receiver speed though. Probably not. Yeah. You're probably right. He's definitely not Taysom fast, but he's fast. He is really fast, and he is really athletic. I mean, he played baseball at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. But anyway. This podcast is basically dying, um, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up, but a little preview of things to come. We are going to talk a little bit more BYU football stuff coming up. I'm really excited about a guest coming up in the future, Porter Ellett, who is Andy Reid's assistant on the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get into what that even means. He basically grew up his whole life with one arm and still didn't stop him from playing a lot of sports and being really good at that and having success in that regard he'll be on and then later on this month we'll talk more BYU football as we get closer to the season we'll have another guest on talk about his experience with being arrested at the Oklahoma BYU game in Dallas when that took place touch on all that so get excited for a little bit of that I hope I don't alienate the rest of my listeners that love hearing more about pontificating about other random stuff gospel stuff politics whatever else because it is going to be a little bit sports heavy in the weeks now. But anyway, you have been warned. Appreciate y'all. Chase, thanks for coming on again. You have a good one, sir. All right. To a different time. Old love, I remember falling so madly. There must have been magic in the valley. And a rhythm in the night. Because I could almost see it. Did you fade?